This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. I feel like I had a really good childhood, um, and uh, so much of that was shaped by what felt like a really good family. Um, if you're new to real life or if you're new to Clarksville, my, my, uh, my parents attend this church and my two older sisters attend this church. And I got to tell you, it's a massive privilege and honor to experience that, to be their brother and their son and their pastor. And, but even in, the, even in the best childhood growing up, um, you still experience pain. Even the best families have painful conflicts. I remember one night being in my bedroom and um, there was arguing going on and it was loud and it just felt like it would never stop. Did you experience that as a kid? Did you experience that as an adult? Did you experience that on the drive-in this morning to church? (laughs) This one particular night I was in my bed and I just, I was crying out to God. I didn't want the yelling to go on anymore and I just had my pillow and I Have you ever done that where you just pull your pillow over your head and you just try to block it all out? That was that was my reality that night. And um, most of us here this morning, like we know what it's like to experience family pain. One of my favorite pastors, he said, the greatest joys that we will experience in life and the greatest pain that we will experience life is found in the family. Both the it or, or or rather the potential for the greatest joy and the potential for the greatest pain is found in the family and the good news is that God has encouraging things to say to us when we consider pain in our family and pain in our home the Lord has encouraging things to say to us and this morning we're going to look at a little text in the book of first Peter chapter 5 so I want to invite you to turn in your Bible uh, to first Peter chapter 5 I'm titling this morning's sermon Pillows, Pain, and Prayer. Uh, We just launched last week a short series on prayer. And this morning we're going to actually look at at this idea of pillows, pain, and prayer. And so quickly find your way over to 1 Peter chapter 5 because God has a special word for us as we consider pain that we experience and how God wants to use prayer to meet us in those moments of pain. You know what's so powerful about prayer is that prayer, talking to God, prayer reorients us to the presence of God. You you know, when we gather and worship on Sunday morning in this place, you know we never have to ask God to be here. Did you know that? (laughs) You know, as though he's like outside that door, you know, and like he's waiting until we say, God, would would you come in here, you know? Like, we don't have to do that. When you wake up in your bed in the morning, God is there. When you lay your head down at night, God is there. When you walk in this room, God is here. When you drive to church, God is there. But what prayer does is prayer reorients us to the presence of God. And some of you are like, Pastor, prayer is not going to reorient me to the presence of God. Prayer is going to orient me to the presence of God. I've never been oriented to the presence of God. I've just been doing my own thing. I get that. So prayer can both orient you for the first time to the presence of God, or prayer can reorient you. 
into the presence of God, where you stop what you're doing, you stop what you're thinking about, you stop what you're watching, you stop who you're texting to, you, you stop who you're snapping to, you stop what you're arguing about, you stop all of that, and you turn your gaze up, and you speak to your creator, the one who made you and who holds it all in his hand. That's why prayer is so powerful, is prayer reorients us to the presence of God, or maybe for you the first time this morning. Maybe you're on a journey and you're like, I don't even know if God exists, but this morning I want to invite you into the adventure, into the possibility of praying for the first time to being oriented to the presence of God that has been around you your whole life. But perhaps this morning, for the first time, you will acknowledge it, his presence. Look at this with me, 1 Peter chapter. Peter is writing to the churches that had been scattered, often because of persecution. It's so awesome. The book of Acts uh, records the history of the early church, how the church was birthed, how the Holy Spirit came and began to fill believers, how the apostles scattered and began to preach the gospel. And as people believed the gospel, churches were formed. And then as persecution came, churches scattered, and Peter is writing to the churches And we catch him in this paragraph where he's writing to the elders of the churches, those that would have spiritual oversight in the churches. And then in verse 5, he shifts from addressing the elders, and he just addresses everybody. So we are church, and we can hear the Holy Spirit speak to us through Peter's writing. So look at verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. So he just got through addressing the elders of the church. Now he's addressing those to to be subject to the elders. And then look at what he says. He says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. He's saying, I want you to be so filled with humility, it's like putting on clothes. (laughs) You know? It's, It's like clothe yourself with it. Put it on. Put on humility. Now, why is he saying put on humility? It's because that doesn't come natural. Why does Peter find the need to say, clothe yourselves with humility? Because in our natural standpoint, we clothe ourselves with pride. Self-sufficient, self-sustaining, self-guided, right? Pride. Doing it on our own. So he says, don't do that. Clothe yourselves with humility. Look at what else he says. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. When you dig into the original language of this word, you see that, that God opposing is like this image of a military coming up against us. So just imagine this, like God coming up against you like he's an army. <laughs> that's, that's the way he responds to pride in our life. Who wants to invite, like who wants to start a war with God this morning? <laughs> Anybody want to volunteer to start a war with God this morning? Just say, Lord, come at me like a military army. That's what you do every time. You're unwilling to clothe yourselves with humility. And every time you choose to dig your heels in in pride, you're inviting a war with God because because God opposes pride. He opposes it. Zero toleration, God says. (laughs) Zero toleration for pride. So clothe yourselves with humility. Why? Because I oppose it. And the good news is he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. Um, did anybody like anybody have a, a perfume or a cologne that you wear that you feel like it just like invites the sweat bees you know 
Like, you're like, oh, this is my spouse's favorite scent, and I like it too, but I can't wear it because when I wear it, like, they just, just, they just come. When we humble ourselves, God, he just pours out his grace. He loves the scent of humility, and he rushes in to be close to it. He rushes in to pour out his grace. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. So now Peter is like shifting into like this salvific end times emphasis. He's saying, look, you need to like humble yourselves in the day-to-day, right? Um, so, so that you can have like peaceful harmony in your relationships. But now he's saying, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Because if you don't, when Jesus comes again, you're not going to be part of the family. In, in, in other words, we have to humble ourselves to say to God, God, I need you. Jesus, I need your forgiveness. And what he says is when you do that, you humble yourselves and you acknowledge your need for a savior and your need for forgiveness, your need for God's presence in your life, then he promises to exalt you at the proper time. When's that? When Christ returns. At the proper time, he will exalt you. In other words, when Jesus, if you humble yourself now in this earth, and you call out upon Jesus to save you, you don't have to fear Jesus returning. You can look forward to it. You can pray for his returning. And when he comes, you don't tilt your head in shame. You open your arms ready for him because you know his promise at the proper time he will exalt you. So when Jesus comes, if you humble yourself now, when Jesus comes, he'll lift you up and say, you're mine, you're with me, I got you. (laughs) That's good stuff, isn't it? It's such a sweet promise. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. So So how do we humble ourselves? Like, how do we ensure that God does not come against us like an army, And how do we ensure that God pours out his grace upon us? Look at the next verse. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. Don't don't lose sight of this because for some of you, the only thing you need to hear this morning is that God cares for you. That's all you need to hear because it's a battle in your mind to believe that you are a treasure to him, that he loves you, that he's for you, not against you. So for some of you this morning, the only thing you need to hear is God cares for you. Just let that echo in your heart all week long. How do we humble ourselves? Verse 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, if you're reading the NIV version of the Bible this morning, what you see in, in these two verses are two commandments. Humble yourselves and then cast your anxieties on the Lord. The, the New International Version of the Bible is a thought-for-thought translation. It's a great translation to read the Bible and to understand it, but it doesn't seek to interpret word-for-word word the original language. It seeks to interpret thought-for-thought. The English Standard Version that I'm reading from in the Bibles in the pews there, the New American Standard Version, um, those translations of the Bible are word-for-word translations. Not thought-for-thought, but literal word-for-word. So what you you miss in the NIV is that verse 7 actually answers the question, how are we to humble ourselves? In what manner are we to humble ourselves? Okay, preacher, I hear you. I don't want God coming against me like an army. And I want, like, this release of his grace. I'm in. I want it. I don't know how. How do I do that? Look at verse 7. By casting all your anxieties on him. 
In, in other words, it's a participle that answers the question, in what manner are we to humble ourselves? It's by casting our anxiety on the Lord. Translation, if you're not talking to God, if you're not praying to God, if you're not casting your anxieties upon God, you are standing prideful before God. And you are inviting the Lord to come against you like, a, like an army. But when you humble yourself by casting your anxieties on the Lord, by praying, you're inviting the release of his grace, because that's what he promises, to give grace to the humble. This text is really clear. It's just really difficult to live out, right? The text is really clear. We humble ourselves by praying, and when we humble ourselves, God releases an outpouring of his grace. Who needs a little grace in their life? Like, like who needs God's mercy to be poured out on Monday morning, right? Who needs his strengthening grace? Who needs his comforting grace? Who needs his forgiving grace? Like how many of you, the, the devil has a foothold in your life and you can't overcome it. Listen, you're not going to be able to overcome it until you humble yourself. You're going to continue on the merry-go-round of feeling like the devil is beating you up until you humble yourself. But it's not just like a one-off. Okay, I'll humble myself on Monday but I'm going to do Tuesday on my own, and I'm going to do Wednesday on my own, and I'm going to do Thursday on my own. I'm going to do no, 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 no. That's like Monday I'm walking in humility. Tuesday I'm back to my prideful, stubborn self. Do you see that? So how do I know if I'm prideful or humble? What does your prayer life look like? Are you praying daily? Are you asking God to come in and fill you, strengthen you, help you? Um. <laughs> Do you guys know, what's, what's that dam in East Tennessee, Middle Tennessee? Do you, know, do you know what I'm talking about? What is it? Where is it? What is it? No, the big one. You're driving down the road and it just emerges out of nowhere. When I was a kid, we passed it. And I'm in the back of the station wagon and I hollered, damn, you know, and it's like, <laughs> and everybody's like, and I'm like, it's right there, you know. There it is. There it is. Sorry for some of you. It's been nice having you at real life. <laughs> When it, have, you ever, have you ever seen a dam break? Have you ever seen it break? We got a video. Our tech guys are awesome. I sent them this video this morning. And they're like, we got you. So I, when, I, when I look at this video, I think like that huge backhoe is like prayer. And that huge lake is like the grace of God. You, you know, God is not lacking in grace for us. You know that. Like, God never runs out of grace. You know that. Like, I feel all the time, God, I feel like I've exhausted your grace for me. Impossible. His grace is inexhaustible. And it's sitting there, ready to break in on our life. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, on the drive to church Sunday. His grace is sitting there, ready to break into our life. Well, what sets it loose? What releases it? Humility. Well, how do we humble ourselves? Praying. So this backhoe is like a, it's a prayer. It's a, it's a prayer. And, and it just releases the grace of God. Do you ever get in a fight and, and like wish you had somebody to moderate the fight? Do you know what I mean? 
Some of you are like, yeah, I would like hire somebody to live with us, you know, like if they could just sit in and moderate, like in our home, we'd need somebody moderating all the time. You know, the Lord Jesus is really happy to moderate any and every argument you get into. You just got to stop what you're doing and fix your gaze upon him and welcome him in. And welcome. Do, do you know how hard it is to stay angry and to keep fighting when you stop and pray? It's possible. It's really hard. <laughs> it, Jesus, by his spirit, is like the ultimate argument moderator. And how many times have you been in an argument that just kept going on and on and on and like an hour deep, you don't even know what started the argument. Anybody here? No, nope, just the why at home. Okay, all right. We'll teach you how. Anytime you want to know how to do that, it's really cool. You just get into a big argument, and an hour later, you're like, what are we arguing about? What started this? Don't remember. And if you just had somebody that was willing to, like, be at your door and moderate the argument, Jesus is there. If you'll you'll let him. Look at that. Look at that. Don't you just want that kind of outpouring of grace in your life? Last week, I gave this acronym, and so this acronym will be coming up on the screen in just a moment, but it's ACTS. It's really easy to remember, and the A-C-T-S stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication, and I feel like we've all kind of been at that place where either we don't know what to pray for, or we feel like we're saying the same things to God over and over again, and we just get stuck in prayer. Prayer feels vanilla. Prayer feels boring. Prayer feels just, mm, it just does not feel like a worship service with the Lord. But, but this pathway of prayer that Jesus answers his disciples when his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. This is what Jesus said. He says, pray like this. And then he says, our Father... In heaven, hallowed be your name. And then he continues on through this. And then we see Paul in Philippians telling us how to pray. So we get this acronym, ACTS, that tells us start by adoration. What is adoration? It's adoring God. So it can sound something like this. God, you are awesome. That's adoration. God, I love you because you are gracious. God, I adore you. Because you are the infinite, all-knowing, never-beginning, never-ending God. That's adoration. Notice I have not thanked God for anything yet, right? I'm just adoring him for who he is. It doesn't have to be long, but it reorients us to the power of God, to the majesty of God, to the person of who God is. Adoration does that. The Bible says if the rocks don't cry out, if we don't cry out, the rocks will cry out. And adoration is a way for us to say, no rock is crying out praise on my behalf. I'm going to adore the Lord. So in the morning, one of the reasons, listen, one of the reasons why when we come to the Lord and we don't feel like our faith is strong, we don't feel like our faith is strong, it's because we start by asking him for things. We start with our burden rather than starting with his majesty. We, we start with our burden, and, and we're, we're still like feeling the weight of the shame that the devil puts on us for sin the night before. So like our prayer feels so weak, it doesn't feel like it has any exclamation points behind it. It feels like it's not undergirded in faith. It's just like, Lord, please, maybe some crumbs today? So when you start with adoration, you're reminded God can do anything. 
So then when you get down to beginning to ask him for something, you don't ask him for small things, you ask him for big things because God can do anything. So you start with adoration, and it takes about 10 seconds of adoring God for me to realize what a big sinner I am, right? Like, you're perfect, you're holy, I'm not. And I immediately feel my need to confess sin, confession. And confession is agreeing with God. The Holy Spirit says, man, you were selfish last night. Man, you were combative last night. You lost your temper last night. You were lustful yesterday. And you agree with the Holy Spirit, I was lustful. Please forgive me. That's confession. That's confession. Um, if the Holy Spirit it doesn't convict you for specific sins, ask him to. If, you're like, if you feel like every time you ask God for forgiveness, it's just like, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And sometimes the Lord is like, which one? Which one, do you, which one do you want me to forgive you for? Because I want to forgive you for all of them. But this will go a lot better if we just name them. Let's just name them all. Because I don't want you for a minute today carrying the weight of guilt or shame for that one. And you tend to receive forgiveness from me for all these but you tend to struggle letting me forgive you for this one. So why don't you name them and hear me say, forgiven. Forgiven. So how do you hear the Lord say forgiven? If you have a hard time like receiving his forgiveness, how do you, have a, how do you hear the Lord say forgiven? You thank him for the forgiveness. Wait, 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 wait. But I haven't experienced it yet. No, but it's hard to thank him for his forgiveness and reject it. Do you know what I'm saying? Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me of this. And then you just kind of put yourself in that place where you're kind of under the waterfall of his grace and you're experiencing his forgiveness. So adoration, confession, and then thanksgiving. And if you've confessed your sins, the first thing that you want to thank him for is the cross. That's where Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. The first thing you want to thank him for is the forgiveness that Jesus secured on the cross and through his resurrection from the dead. That's the first thing you want to thank him for. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Lord, thank you that Jesus rose from the dead. Thank you that Jesus sent the Spirit to pour out your love in my life. Thank you for your presence in my life. Thank you for your power in my life. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my home. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my strength. Thank you for my intellect. Thank you for the ability to, to work today. Thank you for the rain. Thank you for the clouds. Thank you for the sunshine. Thank you, Lord, for my church. Thank you, Lord, for this shirt. Thank you, Lord, for you just fill in the blank. And you're like, man, my relationship with God just like got on steroids. I did not used to do it that way. It's like, man, it's like I need more time. I got to wake up earlier in the morning because I got a lot to thank him for. Are you tracking? Are you tracking? It's like you're going to have your own personal worship service in your bedroom right there. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then supplication. And that's the only weird word, and we don't really know what that means. But Paul in Philippians uses that word to say it's requests. It's an urgent request. It's bringing your urgent requests before the Lord. So adoration, Father, we love you because you are good. Lord, please forgive me for not trusting you. Father, thank you for loving me and forgiving me and being so patient when I don't trust you. Lord, strengthen my faith today. That's supplication. Lord, would you strengthen my faith today? Lord, would you please, don't let there be another school shooting. Not, not in our town, not in our community. Lord, please, right? That's, that's supplication. And once you've gone through adoration, confession, thanksgiving, 
you're in this place where you're ready to ask the Lord. Lord, protect every school in Montgomery County. Lord, protect every school in every county. It's like, because we know God is able. We know that he's loving because we've been through this journey with him. Does that make sense? Here's what I love about the ACTS acronym. It can take 30 seconds or 30 minutes. You just customize it to however much time you've made that day to spend with the Lord. I love, check this out, I love in my family assigning a different family member a different letter, all right? Okay, you got adoration, you got confession, you got thanksgiving, you got supplication. It just goes bad when, like, whoever has thanksgivings, I mean, whoever has confession starts, like, confessing their sibling's sins, you know, and not their own, you know what I mean? <laughs> Lord, please forgive them for how mean they were to me yesterday, you know what I mean? And maybe, maybe that works, you know? Maybe it's like they weren't going to ask for forgiveness. I might as well help them out with this, right? Here's the big idea this morning. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. God's grace and presence can replace pain and conflict if we are willing to replace pride with humble prayer. Now, I just explained to you how. Acts. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. So you can continue. Listen, every family's dysfunctional, amen? Like, like, like every family argues about stupid stuff. Every family harbors bitterness. Every family has trouble getting over their junk, right? Like, you're not alone. I'm not alone. You're not special. We're not, like, we're all made of dust, right? So we all got it. And so you've got a choice this morning, Dad. You've got a choice this morning, Wife, you've got a choice this morning, son or daughter. You've got a choice. And the choice is, is continue in your painful conflict, arguing about, I forgot what started this. Continue in your silent treatment or raising your voice or unforgiveness or bitterness. You can continue in that or you can stop and you can turn your gaze upward. And you can replace your pride with humble prayer. And God says he gives grace to the humble. And it's like a dam breaking forth in your life. You want, you want to change the climate of your home? Start praying out loud every day. You, you, want, to, you want to change like how you respond to your family? Start praying out loud every day. You want the fight to last 10 minutes and not an hour and a half? Start stopping and praying in the middle of the fight. I know it's awkward. It usually goes like, Lord, I don't really want to be praying right now. Lord, I want to be fighting because I'm right and she's wrong. <laughs> but we need a mediator, and you're the best we got. And you're pretty good at it. Lord, we need you. We need you. And apart from you, we're going to continue in our dysfunction and in our painful conflict. We need you. God's grace and presence can replace pain and conflict if we are willing to replace our pride with humble prayer. How do you know if you're pride, prideful? It's if you're not praying. How do you... <laughs> did you know that you can humbly acknowledge that you're humble? Some of you are like, no, you can't. Yeah, you can humbly acknowledge that you're obeying the commandment to clothe yourselves with humility. Check this out. Why would God give us a commandment that we have no idea if we're obeying it or not? He didn't. 
He said, clothe yourselves with humility. You can know whether or not you're clothing yourselves with humility, and you can humbly acknowledge that you're walking in humility. How do you know? I open my mouth out loud, and I speak to God, and I express my need to him. That's an expression of humility. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't overcomplicate it. Um, there was a... There was a time in our home growing up, and I have no idea what the occasion was, but there was some, there was some conflict that was going on, and my dad kind of called a family meeting, and we all sat down in a circle in our living room, and, and he led us in prayer, and he, he was just boohooing like a baby, and if you know my dad, you're like, yeah, he can't pray without crying, right? But he was just booing like a baby. And listen, like we didn't do that every day. But can I just tell you, moms, dads, can I just tell you, I will never forget that night for the rest of my life. I'm 44 years old. I was a teenager. And I remember some of the phrases he said to God that night. Some of the exact phrases. And when my dad began to pour out his heart to the Lord through his tears the dam of God's grace released into the living room and God's presence replaced the pain and God's presence replaced the conflict and the temperature went down and our hard hearts were softened do you see it church do you see it Listen, either the gospel works or it doesn't. Either the Spirit's going to change your life or He's not. But we've got a role in this. We've got a part to play. And our part is humbling ourselves before God through prayer. And when we do it, look out. (laughs) Look out. Because the dam of His grace is breaking forth. Do you see it? Can you see it? Um... So, dads, I just want you to imagine what kind of adults might your kids be when they grow up if you start praying at home, out loud, every day. Moms, I want you to start, I want you to imagine this morning, right now, what kind of, what kind of adult might your kids grow up to be if you start praying out loud, at home, every day. Teenagers, what kind of Christian might your parents become if you start praying out loud with your family at home every day? If dad's not doing it, if mom's not doing it, you go for it. You go for it. (laughs) You know, the Lord Jesus had to tell his parents when they lost him, he was in the temple, and then three days later, like, they found him, and, you know, he had to say, did did you not know I would be about my father's business? So, teenager, listen, if, if mom won't do it and if dad won't do it, you do it. You do it. You get the family together and just say, hey, we need God's help. We need his help. We don't need to try to do this on our own. We need God's help. Can we cry out to him together? I'll do it. I'll pray out loud. You guys just pray in your heart. I'll, I'll verbalize it. 
But Lord, we need your help. Can you just, can you just imagine what God might want to do in your home? And can you imagine what he might do in our church? If It's just incredible what God might want to do. So, pillows were designed with an intended purpose. <laughs> and, and pillows, the intended purpose of pillows weren't to protect us from pain. But they were to provide a peaceful night's sleep. You see it? So, Dad, Mom... Let's let the pillows in our homes have their intended purpose. And they will and they can if we'll humble ourselves through prayer. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we pray in Jesus' name and by your spirit today. Oh God, we need you more than we know. We need you more than we know. Father, forgive us for overcomplicating things. God, forgive us for our pride. So many of us this morning, we came in here this morning just not even knowing that our heart was filled with pride, our life was filled with pride, our home was filled with pride. But hallelujah, because of your grace, we know our home can be filled with your grace. We know that it can be released, it can be poured out, and Lord, we long for that. So would you do a transformative work in our hearts, in our lives. Lord, strengthen our faith. Soften our hard hearts. Pour out your spirit. Do something amazing amongst, amongst us this morning, Lord. Stir something in us, Lord, that is irreversible. Lord, bring a deep resolve that we've never known to seek you. Oh, Lord, do it for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand to our... Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real, keep it Jesus.